uh, we're going to talk about our mission trip a little bit. Let me share with you Matthew 8, uh, 28, 18 through 20. Um, when it comes to the mission of the church, uh, we don't have to wonder, what does God want us to do? Uh, when it comes to the mission of the church, uh, we are told what our mission is. This is the same for every church. We have the same mission. And, and this is Jesus's, his, his last commands to the disciples. This is what he said. He told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So much in that one little scripture passage uh, that we could unpack, right? That we go and make disciples. In the, the original Greek, it's as you are going. As you go into everyday life, you are making disciples. Not just converts, you're actually making disciples. Well, who are the disciples? They're the ones who have been baptized. You've brought them into the fellowship of the local church. Uh, that's what baptism does. It unites you with Christ. It unites you with your, uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ. It kind of brings you into that church family. So you're connected. So you're supported by one another. And then you've learned together how to obey the commands that Christ has given us. And so it's more than just joining church membership. It's actually learning how to live like Jesus. And we do all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I could do a whole sermon just on that. But that is why we do mission work. It starts right here in Galax. It spreads. Uh, Acts 1-8 kind of gives us the mission plan that we start in our Jerusalem. It spreads to Judea and Samaria, and it goes to the ends of the earth. Um, and that's really why we do mission work. And so... Uh, we've been working with a group in Nicaragua called Because We Care Ministries. And our original plan was for Don Gillette to be here today. He's going to come at a later time. Uh, we just Things didn't quite work out this time, but we're going to get him back. Uh, and he's going to preach for us sometime. But he has been in Nicaragua since the year 2000. And what happened um, right before then, Hurricane Mitch. Do you all remember seeing about Hurricane Mitch in the news? Um, it hit Honduras and Nicaragua, rained over 30 inches. It just pretty much, it came over the country and stopped for days and days and days. Massive flooding, destroyed roads, bridges, wiped out complete villages, just massive devastation. Uh, Nicaragua is already a very poor country. It's the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere behind Haiti. Uh, and so uh, Don Gillette went there on a mission trip with a relief group. Uh, and just as soon as he got there... Uh, him and his wife both said, this is where we need to be. And God put him there, and he's been doing work there ever since. He's originally from Roanoke, uh, originally from Gatlinburg, but he's been in Roanoke for a while now. Um, and so uh, he has had a ministry there. In 2007, Cornerstone made our first mission trip to Nicaragua with Because We Care Ministries. Um, and so we have a relationship now going back 14 years. Um, and over the 14 years, we have taken 22 trips or sponsor, some type of sponsored trip, either motorcycle trips like Larry went on last year or the year before last, uh, different agriculture-type trips, uh, pastor training trips that I've gone on. We've taken whole teams of people. And so I started going in the year 2009, I believe, uh, was my first trip. And I, here's, here's the first time I went. Can I just be honest with you guys? I'm like, okay, I'd never been able to go before on a trip because I didn't have enough vacation time. I was now full-time pastor here at Cornerstone. I'm like, okay, I need to go, 
and I'm going to see what it's like so I can come back and tell other people about it. And I'll just go my one time, okay? And I'll, I'll kind of come back and fill everybody in on how it works and tell them that they should go too. Can I be honest? That was kind of my thinking. Um, that's not happened. <laughs> I've been back almost every year since, sometimes twice a year. Um, and so I counted it up. I've spent over three months of my life now in Nicaragua. Um, and so I've really come to love the people there. Uh, I've come to love Don and Pam, uh, the missionaries. Um, it's it just, it, it's so hard to, to, to even begin to describe what all uh, is going on there because uh, there's so many different facets of the ministry. Uh, everything from village ministries, and uh, we'll be talking about that today, uh, medical uh, ministries, uh, uh, feeding ministries. Uh, there's just so much going on. And so uh, Larry and I went, uh, we left last Saturday, came back last night. We got back in Galax about 9 o'clock last night, flew out of D.C. So that's always fun, having to drive back from D.C. But uh, we've been tested for COVID three, to- three times, four times <laughs> in the last week and a half. We're well tested. Yeah, so we're, we're very familiar with the no swab on the brain, it feels like. Um, and so you, it's, it's crazy doing international travel right now, I'm just telling you. And, uh, but it's all good. Um, and we were able to have a great trip. We didn't go planning to take a lot of pictures, and so we did take a few, though, and some of the translators took a few pictures as well. Um, And so uh, I did a short slideshow here.
Okay, so that's the end of the video. A little abrupt stop there. Um, I uh, apologize for that. Uh, I actually did that video on the plane yesterday <laughs> on my phone. So uh, it's, a, it's amazing what you do with your phones now. So, but you can tell a lot went on. And so Larry's going to tell us a little bit just kind of about our typical days and kind of what we did there. Yeah, the uh, motorcycle ministry, that is so cool. You've got the controls for the sound up there. Yeah. See, we have no one on the soundboard today. He's controlling it from up here. I think that's amazing. But uh, the motorcycle ministry typical day is completely different than um, what we did while we were down there this week. You really never knew where you were going to be or what you were going to be doing. But uh, when we're in the uh, casa and then in the villages, there, is ten, there tends to be a typical theme. And we just kind of wanted to share with you um, what that day might look like. And one of the reasons why, like if you look at the pictures, a lot of you have giving toward this ministry. And we want you to understand where your funds are going, where your prayers are needed, and things like that. So I, I tell you, we get up pretty early, um, and I'm, Mike doesn't drink coffee, but I'm waiting for the coffee to be ready, because uh, we tend to get up, being on our time zone, which was a couple hours earlier than their time zone, and we tend to get up and we're waiting for uh, the ladies to get there to start breakfast and make the coffee. Then uh, after we have breakfast together... We uh, generally send the group over to the radio station. And this is in downtown Somotillo. We ride in the back of the truck, and one or several of us will speak um, on the radio. And this, go, this radio broadcast goes out all over Central America, even though it's based there in, in Somotillo. It's on a, uh, the, the broadcast tower is on a place called Prayer Mountain, which um, we didn't this time, but generally the group will go and climb Prayer Mountain and we'll pray over the city and things like that. But anyway... Because it was just Mike and I, um, we, we pretty much participated in everything. <laughs> so we did the radio twice while we were there, and uh, we, we both, I think you went first, and then I went second the first time, and then we switched it around later. But you try not to think about the fact that thousands, maybe millions of people are listening to you. You know, you're just there to tell a story, whatever God puts on your heart. And we worked a little bit together on that, and uh, that's usually, what, 30 to 35-minute radio broadcast. And uh, you get two preachers, you know, 35 minutes is not hard to fill. With I mean, translators. <laughs> yeah, with translators. So it goes back and forth. So if you've ever been there, that, there's, a, there's a little bit of an art to that, going back and forth with the translators. Yeah, you have to remember to pause. And then uh, for me, that's really hard to do. Mike's better at it than I am. But, um, and then once we're done with the radio, we go back and we kind of prepare to go out into the next phase of our day, which is generally construction. And you probably saw where we were helping build a house there. The group before us, the week before, they helped lay the foundation for the house. We kind of helped level the floor and then start to lay the blocks for the walls. And um, I, I asked, uh, just out of curiosity, it was probably what, a um, uh, 200-square-foot house is, is pretty normal there. Yeah. And uh, it costs about $3,500 in materials to build one of those houses. So if you think about that, I mean, the labor is provided by Because We Care and the ministry teams that come through. Um, but generally, it's people like us that donate towards uh, BWCM that build those houses. Sometimes the church will take upon um, themselves to pay for a whole house, or they'll do fundraising. And uh, I think Don's only requirement is that you have to own the land where they're going to build a house. And uh, that's a little bit tricky. But um, anyway, this particular house that we worked on was being built for a fellow named Mariano mm -hmm. and his mother. And Mariano is disabled a little bit, um, but he's a wonderful person. And, he, you know, you can tell he loves life and loves God. 
and it was so neat to be around him the whole time we were working. He's just um, a cheerleader, and uh, he, he really, we found out this time, that he really likes Coca-Cola. <laughs> so he got a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola, and it made his day. So um, when, when you're doing the construction, you could do any various phases of building a house, or you might be painting someone's house that's, that's run down a little bit, helping clean up that area. Um, we even built a road one time. Um, another year we built a fence um, out of stone. And, uh, I mean, our young kids and stuff were helping carry these big boulders to build a, it's basically a pig fence, is to keep the pigs out, out of the compound because they get in and destroy everything. So you never really kind of know exactly what you're going to be doing, but there's always something to do. And uh, you do that generally in the morning shift for the missionaries. The, the rest of the team there from the uh, mission house, they work all day long on those properties. But they try to get, get, make it a little easier on us. We do the construction work in the mornings, then we come back for lunch. So once we have lunch, we try to get cleaned up a little bit. And then um, in the afternoons, we go to do what's called the village ministry. And you saw a lot of that. And it looks like we're just having fun. But we're very deliberate about trying to engage. We get there, and immediately we get out of the trucks and start just playing with the kids of the village. They'll be the first ones to come out. They want to see why we're there. And it could be anything from throwing frisbee, blowing bubbles, um, football, soccer. Um, and it's funny. You'll start with just a couple of kids, and the next thing you know, you have 20 or 30 in the village. And then the, the mothers start to come. And we also provide health care through the doctor that lives there. And uh, she'll set up, and the moms and the babies and the moms and the young children will go through. And generally, that's about 20 or 30 mothers. I mean, the villages are all similar in size. And uh, they, get, you know, they get taken care of. So we try to engage the children first and then the, the parents. I, you may have noticed there wasn't a lot of men in those photos, and that's because they're out working. I mean, to be honest, in Nicaragua, you don't just, nobody lays around. There's something for everybody to do. The kids work, the parents work. Um, so when we do come in, it's a little bit like Christmas because they're getting a break from their daily grind, their daily routine, and we have a good time with them. It's hot, but you don't even care. You know, you're just out there. You have to remind yourself to go drink water and get in the shade a little bit because uh, you're just having a blast. And we played dodgeball this time, a lot of dodgeball, and the kids love that. We've got some great videos of that. And uh, after we've got them engaged... The whole time that we're playing with them, a couple of the mission team are cooking, and they make a big stew for the entire village. They'll make it up in a big steel pot and cook it right over an open flame. And I think that takes about 45 minutes to an hour to prepare mm -hmm. that. And uh, then everybody will line up, and sometimes we take bowls, or they'll bring their bowls. I remember the first couple of years I went, um, kids were even bringing plastic bags to put food in. And stew, you know, you don't put soup and stew in a plastic bag, but they didn't have a lot of containers. So as we've started going, we generally take some bowls. We want everybody to have at least a bowl that would uh, hold their stuff. Although I did see a couple of thermoses mm -hmm. and kind of things you would throw away. They were reusing. And we feed them, and we preach the word of God to them right from the back of the truck. Um, again, when the, there's a whole mission team, we will take turns, and everybody has to participate. There's no bystanders in, in this mission work. Everybody participates. And I, I, just looking around here now, I, there's a lot of people here that have given their testimony for the very first time at, uh, at these events. And it's been emotional for them, and it's been emotional for the villagers sometimes to find out that people in America who they kind of think we've got it made struggle. 
have hard times and go through things. And you, it kind of really breaks down the walls between you and them. And they start to see us as just normal people. And then they, we really have their attention when we preach the gospel to them. And uh, it's, it's just a powerful thing. And then the last thing we do generally is we give toys to the children as we're leaving. It, it's not always toys. It can be clothes. Um, we do a lot of flip-flops and uh, other things like that. And that's, that's just neat to see everybody come through the line. and just You saw the little children get their toys, and, and they're so excited. Um, although we did see that uh, one little boy got a watercolor kit. He was probably about 10, and he wasn't that excited about it. <laughs> he, he was trying to trade with everybody else in the village for a football. <laughs> and uh, I felt for him, but uh, I, I'm sure he probably got his football eventually. Um, but, uh, you know, interestingly, all the toys that we gave away this year were new, and they were all, we had them. We had um, four full duffels of toys, and the only reason we had those is because you all gave. You know, I put just a little fundraiser on uh, Facebook hoping to get a couple hundred dollars to put towards these toys, and I think my final offering was like $1,400. Yeah, and that was like four duffel bags is like they were 60 pounds a piece? Yeah, they were heavy. I mean, so they just met the they, requirement to get them in. It had to be under 70 pounds for a check bag. And I think we took, so we took pretty much 240 pounds, over 200 pounds of toys. A lot of toys. Getting those through customs was a, oh. a little bit difficult this time. Yeah. They're a lot more careful when we come into the country about uh, getting us through there. They went through and searched them. Although it's kind of neat to see the, the custom agents there in Nicaragua, they, they turn from suspicion to caring and, and they're excited about what you're doing when you when they're looking through and they're seeing what you've brought and realize it's just for mission work so um did i miss anything on the village ministry um i think that's pretty good so anyway so yeah, that's that's kind of our typical day so lots of stuff going on we kind of come back we do have some downtime in the evenings to talk to share to to prepare and uh, so a lot that happens there so i want to talk a little bit about the pastor training so you saw a few videos there uh, uh, because We Care Ministry started pastor training several years back, uh, probably four or five years ago, really started a structured program. Uh, it's almost like a mini-seminary uh, type education for these village pastors. These pastors are bivocational. They're not full-time pastors. They all have jobs. But yet once a month, they block out and come uh, for training. And so we've done training not just in Somatia in the past, we've done it up in Choloteca, Honduras. We've done it in Leon uh, in Nicaragua. We've done it in Chinandega. Uh, we've done it all over the place. So um, this time, kind of post-COVID, we just did it in Somatia. But, and we've kind of, after about a two-year process, they graduate out. So we had a newer group of students this time. Uh, so I just spent the, the day talking and teaching on Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew uh, this time, and just how it connected the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, lots of information. They're soaking it up. They're taking notes. I showed um, several years ago, Cornerstone, we provided a projector and uh, a little sound system for them to use for pastor training, uh, and we gave them, have you seen the Bible Project videos? Do you know who I'm talking about, about the little like cartoon type videos that explain and outline the books of the Bible, we put all of those on a single thumb drive that they can play um, in Spanish in their native language. Um, and so we went through that with them, and they were so mesmerized by that that several of the pastors actually took out their phones and filmed 
the video while we were watching it because they wanted to be able to go back and watch it and not miss anything. Um, just amazing. You know, that is something that I, I didn't mention about the village ministry is that we generally work with the, the pastor in the village as we do this evangelizing and this connection. And uh, if they don't have a pastor, Pastor Rinaldo tries to help them get a church started, and we work out of the churches there. We're not just showing up one time, giving them some stuff, and leaving. And so back in March, uh, we, um, they, they, we weren't, I wasn't able to. I usually go in March to do pastor training, and it was still kind of locked down. So we actually filmed the pastor training here. Uh, I asked a friend from, uh, from Galax that was a native uh, Spanish speaker to come and translate, and uh, we actually filmed it, and they watched the video. So it was kind of neat this time to be there in person, but the, really the, the whole training is just about helping them understand that ministry is tough, uh, but it's given them a basic foundation understanding of the Bible. Uh, we talked about preaching as well. We outlined a sermon together. Uh, so just those type of things, just helping them, uh, just knowing that they're, you know, that that we're praying for them, that we're here to answer questions, and really this this group is a younger group because we kind of graduated out some of the older pastors, and some some of these were pastors, some were potential pastors that are working towards starting churches, and uh, I, I don't know, I don't have the numbers on how many churches have been started in that part of the area. Like when we go out to these villages, we didn't mention that we can drive a, really an hour in any direction to get to them. So there's hundreds of small villages uh, that we drive out to and, and care for. So uh, that really, just the pastor training has been something really, uh, it's been a good thing. It's been awesome to see these guys grow in their faith and learn. And so as soon as I come up, uh, they recognize, you know, we've just built a relationship. And that's something good about going back year after year. So... Uh, why don't you tell a little bit about the team we work with there? I did want to mention, too, I think you, I counted at one point you had 18 pastors in training mm -hmm. this year, so that was awesome. We've had as many as 100 before, like between the different locations all together, so it's been a lot. Uh, we, we work with a group there that all work for Because We Care Ministries, and we call them the Dream Team, and it consists of construction workers and uh, translators and a pastor and, and some of his family. And kitchen staff. Kitchen staff, yeah, the most important. <laughs> um, I don't know how many people have been, that are here have been to Nicaragua, but Mama Maria is definitely our favorite. <laughs> um, although um, people have asked us, well, what do you think of Nicaraguan food? And, and we really don't know. <laughs> she cooks for us. She cooks a lot of American dishes. Also, she cooks them amazing. You'll be like, how did she make that out of something so simple? I gain uh, weight when I go to Nicaragua. That's how bad it is, guys. So you go expecting to, like to, to, to suffer for the Lord, and you go and you come back fat and happy. <laughs> so I, I leave on the way there fat and happy. But um, <laughs> anyway, some of the people I'd, I'd like to mention, actually some of them actually watch this church service every Sunday morning. So um, I want to send a thanks out to them. Um, they're an awesome group. We work with Gigi. Um, what's Gigi's? How do you say her last name? I'm I have not, no idea. I'm not a, yeah, don't. How many people know Gigi? She's yeah. been with Because We Care a long time, and uh, she's amazing. And uh, Tita is uh, another one of the female translators. And Tita's kind of, uh, I guess the best way to describe her is she's a jock. I mean, she is very athletic, and she does whatever it takes to get the kids involved. Mm -hmm. Although I did get a video of her during the dodgeball game. She face-planted, and uh, we were sure to post that on Facebook because you don't usually see that side of Tita. 
but she got up laughing. It was great. And then um, uh, Pastor Ronaldo's son, Rael, uh, worked with translating. And I remember a couple years ago, Rael would just kind of come along. And he was a little kid, a pastor's son. And now he's fully engaged and fully involved in the ministry there. And it's neat to see. And he's even working, um, I don't know if it's on a volunteer basis, but he works at the radio station as well there. And uh, let's see, who am I forgetting? Roberto. Well, Roberto's kind of right now because of COVID and the fact that Don's not been able to be there. Roberto has been, I don't know how to say his last name, Urbina. Mm -hmm. He has been running the show and he's back and forth. He lives in Managua, his family does, but he's been in Somotillo um, almost all summer. And uh, actually, when he took us back to the Managua airport, he got to stay for a little bit there in Managua. And I think he was very grateful for some time off. Because when they are there, they're there seven days a week working um, Mm -hmm. on all the time. There's always something to be done. And then, um, is that, that's pretty much the, oh, Pastor Santos Santos. goes out with us as well. He had a birthday while we were there. I I kind of would like to mention that. I was not able to buy $1,400 worth of toys and get them all there. You should have seen Mike and I just trying to get what we had through customs. Um, so we had a little bit of cash left over, and we wanted to purchase things while we were there for the villages and for the team. One day we bought a bunch of bread, and uh, we bought some other things, but we decided to try to buy a present for each one of the translators in the team there. And uh, one of the things they do, they generally travel by bicycle or motorcycle, so we got them backpacks so they could carry their stuff in there. And they were very grateful for that. And it just turned out to be Pastor Santos's birthday. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I, I don't want to forget to mention um, Pastor Ronaldo. He's kind of like, he's running the spiritual show, but he also really starts the uh, ministry mm-hmm. side of the engagement when we get into the villages. He, he'll get the kids to sing in songs and, and get the adults involved. And he's just an amazing man. He was... Um, we did a fundraiser for him last year, right? And I don't know, sometime during the summer, he contracted COVID and almost died from it. And uh, Mike's got a story to share about that, so, some things we didn't know. Yeah. Um, and right after he recovered from COVID, they were doing, they, they actually got a team together and took and ministered to the people on the east coast of Nicaragua who had been hurt by the hurricane. And they, were, they went there several times and he got malaria while he was over there. So then he was back in the hospital. And he's a wonderful man of God, and, and he's my brother. Yeah. And the first, when he sees us, the first thing he says is, Mi hermano, which means my brother, because uh, we just really developed a relationship. This was my seventh time to Nicaragua, and uh, we just love to go there. So, so yeah, Pastor Ray, he's uh, about my age, so really just an awesome guy if you've ever met him. Uh, he's just like the Energizer Bunny. I mean, he's just like wide open all the time. And so when we heard last year that he had COVID, that he contracted COVID, and his, uh, I'm pretty sure his mom had actually passed away from it. Uh, he had it, and he got it really bad. Um, and we, we knew it was bad. We didn't know what we could do, though. And uh, we were praying, and we were sending out some prayer requests among people that knew him. And uh, I was getting updates from Don, and he, he was getting updates from the other people there. And so you kind of, the information's kind of just getting back to you a little bit. Um, he was in the hospital um, his oxygen levels were terrible. He couldn't even like stand up on his own. Um, one of, uh, Larry was talking about with someone that had been before Trinity, uh, who had been before. And she said, why don't we, can we do a fundraiser for him? We're like, we don't know. Can we? And we asked Don and Don said, sure, get something together. Uh, we did a fundraiser cause he needed oxygen. 
Uh, and we didn't know what else he needed. We just know he needed medical care. And, and that's kind of, we just had basic information. Yeah, and he has several churches that he's the pastor of. Obviously, he wasn't in those churches. He wasn't yeah, making so, any income from there. Yeah, so you, he wasn't, yeah, and his whole, you know, you, he needed support for his family. So we did a fund, Larry did a fundraiser on Facebook. Uh, you see some of those pop up from time to time. And it started really going semi-viral among the different churches that do work there. And it ended up, we raised uh, over 5000 something like that. I though. should have looked it up. It was several thousand. 3000 <laughs> it, it, was, it was a lot of money. Um, and we sent that. And we just, we were like, okay, we, you know, we don't know. And that was really, I mean, we, we knew, and then we knew he got better, and then he had contracted malaria. When we were there uh, last Sunday, um, uh, I asked him, I said, who's preaching at church? They do church in the evening there. I said, who's preaching at church tonight? He said, do you want to? And I'm like, sure. So I preached last Sunday in Nicaragua um, for, for Ray. But before I got up, he's like, he, he just started telling this story to his church. And he said, uh, you know, he, he was talking about how he was so sick with COVID last year that he had pretty much gotten to the point where he was content to die at home. He didn't think he was going to make it. Um, and he was sick. He couldn't afford the medicine. Um, he said they had about like 20 pills they were needed to get him and like daily, and he couldn't afford them. Uh, the medical care, the hospital, there's really not a good hospital within three or four hours. You have to go to Managua to a private hospital to get care. Um, uh, he needed shots they were, they were given. I don't know what all they were doing there to treat it. But anyway, he couldn't afford, they just couldn't do it. Yeah, there was no insurance. Whatever medical yeah. care you got, you pay for. And so about that time, he heard about this fundraiser. He received the money. He was able to get the medical care. He was able to get all the pills he needed, the doctor care. He was able to be admitted to a hospital in Managua, and it literally saved his life. And I just share that because sometimes we think, yeah, isn't it? You can clap. Amen. Um, Sometimes you think, you see something like that, do, do we really make a difference? And it just took somebody saying, can we do a fundraiser? I don't know, can we? Sure, let's do one. And we didn't even know the extent of what was needed, what was necessary. God did. God did. And it was just the timing was perfect on it. Um, and so can I just tell you guys thank you? Uh, for I mean, he was just, I mean, he was teary-eyed talking about it just just looking back and, and and telling his church, I mean, he looked at Larry and said, he, you know, he is the one that raised the money that got me to the hospital. And so, and it wasn't Larry. It, it was all, I mean, I'm just sharing that because it was really cool to see the effect of sometimes what we don't even realize. Um, and so the ways we can make an impact are just incredible. And uh, you know, I, there's one other story I kind of wanted to, to, to tell about. And we, in the video there, uh, we put our, our compassion kids. And um, um, some of you know that um, uh, our family, we sponsored a, a, a compassion child several years uh, ago. And we were at a concert. It was a Wren Collective concert in Charlotte, okay? And we had been sponsoring a kid through compassion, and it had run out, and they would graduated from the program. Um, and we just reached down, picked up a card from the table, and said, okay, this one's in Nicaragua. We'll do this one. Um, I think it was four years ago or three years ago. I can't remember. Uh, we took our whole family down, organized a visit, with the, and not knowing where they were. Come to find out, I'll just make a long story short, she lived about a half a mile from the mission house where we go. 
We were able to meet her, see her, and she wanted us to come back to see her house. It was just, I should have got pictures of that, but I, I didn't. Uh, it was just tarps, uh, terrible, terrible conditions. Uh, we came back, raised the money, built her a house, and I'll let you tell uh, about a little more. Yeah, um, similar to Mike and Jenny, uh, Trina and I started sponsoring uh, a little girl in Managua several years ago, and uh, I, I was able, I, I picked Nicaragua because I knew Cornerstone went to Nicaragua. I didn't, I had never been to Nicaragua at the time, but I thought, well, maybe someday I'll be able to visit her. Well, sure enough, um, I was able to visit with her twice before her family moved and they were no longer in the program. So this time, um, a couple years ago, we picked another child that was in Nicaragua, and you don't really know where they are. Well, it turned out that she was in uh, Wasale, which is the next village over from uh, Somatillo, and took us, what, 10 minutes to get there. And uh, the thing there, you can't call up on the cell phone or email, really, even find out um, if the situation is perfect for going for a visit. Um, I won't go into that. <laughs> Let's just say that it wasn't necessarily an authorized visit. So we went over, and uh, Pastor Ronaldo, last year, actually, after he had recovered, one of the things he did for me is, is I told him about the little girl. He found her. He went over to the village, and they asked around and showed her picture, and he went and found the family and took them some food and bread and rice and things like that. And I was very grateful for that. Well, this time when we went, I said, do you remember where she lived? And, of course, he did. And you saw the pictures as we were walking through the alleyways. I mean, I would never have walked through the alleyways if Ronaldo hadn't been with us, it, um, well, Sali is not like someone to you. It's a, much, it's a border town, so it's a little bit more dangerous. And we worked our way down through, and, and uh, some of these places you just can't imagine ever being in your life. And uh, we found the home, and it turned out the, she wasn't there. She was at a birthday party with her mom um, because school was out while we were there. But we met her father and her uncle, I believe it was, and they were great people. It's really nice when you meet your, your compassion children and find out that they have a family. You know, they have a, a father and a mother um, because that's not always the case. And it seemed like a really good home. We left some things there for her, and we established that relationship. And that's really the, the neat thing. I told Mike, I mean, when you get involved with the ministry, you don't always know where your money's going. Well, with, when we go to Nicaragua, you hear about it every time. Well, with Compassion, we've been able to pretty much prove that, that the money that we send Compassion goes to those children, and we've developed relationships with them and look forward in continuing those relationships. I mean, Mike's um, and Jenny's uh, Compassion child is not really a child anymore. She's a teenager. I mean, see her walking up. We were going up to her house, and she was, I guess, at her grandma's, and she came running up through there, and you're like, well, she's, she's growing into a woman, mm -hmm. and it's exciting to see and she was so, I mean, she's kind of timid and shy, but she was very excited to see Mike. And, of course, she was uh, also disappointed that Jenny wasn't there. <laughs> she was, and, but the, 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 it was so cool. We were able to FaceTime Jenny while um, Anna was right there, and they get to see each other and talk. I mean, modern technology helps with this a lot. So we're in Nicaragua in the middle of this village full of mud huts FaceTiming here um, in Galax, and it was just we wanted to share that with you. If you've ever thought about supporting Cat Compassion, I would highly encourage it. I mean, it is an honorable ministry, and they, they do good with these kids. Yeah. And while we're talking about that, uh, because we care ministries, their website is bwcm.org. Uh, if you want to go see a little more about what they do and what takes place, 
Uh, you can support them as well. Our church supports them monthly. Uh, I know many of you do as well. So uh, it is a very worthy organization. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Don being able to join us and share about it. Um, and I want to close today. You've got to hear a little bit about the stories. But uh, uh, the last day on the radio, I shared a little bit. I think what connects us is our brokenness. When you go there, you see a lot of broken families. You see uh, a very poverty-stricken area. You see a lot of pain. You see a lot. It's a harsh life. It's a very harsh life that they live. And the more I think about that, um, you know, we see the same things there that we see here. Drug use. Again, like Larry said, they're a border town very near Honduras. A lot of drug trafficking going on there. No doubt about it. Uh, they're building the biggest building I've ever seen in Somatia. It's huge. Uh, on the old baseball field right by the river, they're building a big nightclub. Uh, and, and we were asking about it, and they said, yeah, it's the kind that the, the women dance on tables. That's <laughs> how they described it. Um, and built by drug money. Uh, let's be honest. I mean... That's right there near the mission house. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of, you see a lot of injustice. Uh, sex trafficking is big in the villages because these kids are stuck there and the parents think somebody comes and promises them a better life. And it, this is, it's just, it's heartbreaking to see all that going on. But you think about it, some of those same problems we have here, the poverty, the drug use, the broken families, what connects us is the brokenness. And if you look, you can go all the way back to, to when God created the world. He created it perfectly. Everything was in harmony. There was no sickness. There was no COVID. There was no death. Nothing. Right? Everything was in perfect harmony the way He intended. But in Genesis 3, we see the story change. Because Adam and Eve, when they took the fruit, they ate it. They were deceived by the serpent. What happened then is the... Perfection of God was broken. And, and that had such a dramatic effect. It affected us. It affected them. It affected, it spread from generation to generation. The curse broke everything. It causes natural disasters. It causes poverty. It causes all this sin that we see. Broken relationships. It, it, it's the curse that is passed from generation to generation. But what that does, it just shows us that everyone needs Jesus. Whether you live here, whether you live in Nicaragua, we, we are all made in the image of God. We all need a relationship with Jesus. And when Jesus came, He came to restore, He came to fix, He came to redeem that which was broken. And so when you think about a message that we all need to hear, it's that there is brokenness. There's no doubt about it. It's brokenness is all around us. But that's why Jesus came, to put the broken back together again. And, and I just want to share with you this morning, you got to see some pictures. You got to hear some stories. Um, it's heartbreaking, the sights, the sounds, the smells, all that stuff. It, I mean, it tugs at your heart when you go and when you experience it. But more than anything, it just shows me how much we need Jesus. And how important it is to share Jesus. And the hope that we have is that this world as it is, is not how it's going to end. That one day, Jesus is coming back again. And He's going to restore everything to the way that it was intended. The new heavens, the new earth. 
It's going to be a place where there's no more sickness, no more disease, no more death, no more sin. And so I just leave you with that thought is this world is temporary. And so we have a responsibility as long as we're here to share the love of Jesus with as many people as we can to share just there's hope. There's hope. Jesus is coming back. And until that time, we're going to keep fulfilling that great commission. So I want to thank you as a church for being supportive of mission work, for being supportive of ministries and, and, and missionaries. And I'm just telling you, that's, that's our heart as a church. It's more than just what happens here on Sunday morning. Uh, you got to hear a little bit last week about the work in India. And I mean, there's just uh, there's so many needs around the world and and you can play a part in it from right here. And so I'm going to close us. Uh, uh, Josh and Michael will come back up and I really appreciate them leading worship with us today. Um, and we're going to close and um, you just get to uh, I just want to ask you, all right, do you really know Jesus? Do you, do you really know, uh, do you recognize how broken you are and how much you really need Him? Um, I, let's, let's pray together this morning. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank, we're so thankful for the safety you provided Larry and I in our travels this week and riding in the back of pickup trucks and work trucks and uh, traveling on airplanes and uh, Lord, you just kept us safe and, and, and allowed us to go and do your work and do your will. I'm thankful for the people of this church, Lord, that have faithfully given and, and done ministry and, and continue to share uh, and support your work all around the world. And I'm just thankful that we have connected with the people in Nicaragua. Uh, Lord, we sense their brokenness and we it makes us realize our own brokenness, that we're no different that we all need Jesus. And so today, if you're here, if you're listening, I want you to know that Jesus is real. Jesus still heals. Jesus still uh, redeems. Jesus still restores the broken. And so if you're here and your life has fallen apart, I just want you to know Jesus is the one that can put it back together again. Jesus is the one that can heal you. Jesus is the one that can fix our deepest needs. And so as we turn to you right now, God, let us just lift up the name of Jesus, thanking him and exalting him for who he really is. Lord, we just, uh, we just have so much to worship and be thankful for. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen. So as we close.